important need in our lives to have a great 2014. This month at Seacoast, we are looking at core issues that lie at the root of most of our daily activities. Because we believe if we can strengthen what matters most, the rest of life will fall into place. Hello, Seacoast. How are y'all doing? Great to see you guys. Glad to be with you. My name is Josh Surratt, and I am one of the pastors here at Seacoast. And uh, if you're new to Seacoast, we just are so happy to have you uh, here with us today. I want to welcome those of you that are here in the room, as well as those that are worshiping with us at any of our campuses uh, in the South Carolina, North Carolina area. We're glad that you guys are with us as well. Or if you're joining us online, we are extremely excited to have you as well. I love the fact that we can do church in multiple locations. I, I received a phone call this week from a service provider. We moved in, in the last week and we used a mobile storage attic or mobile attic. And so they called just to kind of get a feel for how things went uh, with our move. And, and at the end of the call, he said, hey, by the way, on a personal note, uh, my name's Josh and I go to the Irmo campus and uh, I just love Seacoast and gave me some good, good thoughts on Irmo. And I just thought it was so cool that all over the state, there are people connected to the same church family. And so Josh and Patrick and the crew in Irmo, we're glad that you guys are here as well. Before we jump into the message, I wanted to mention a couple of things that are going on. Uh, first of all, we've got this little women's conference coming up this week called Chosen. Any of the women going to be at Chosen this, this uh, week? Good. It is going to be incredible. We have people from all of our campuses, and it sold out last week uh, for the first time that the women's conference sold out, and, and which is a, a really cool thing. Uh, but if you don't have tickets yet, we've opened up overflow seating in the warehouse. You can still get in at a reduced rate. It'll be in the warehouse. But all of the other activities of the conference, the after party, the, the meaningful relationships that happen in the breezeway, all that stuff you'll still have access to as well as the great teaching. It'll just be via video through the uh, warehouse. So if you still want to be a part, I really encourage you to do it. I promise you that this conference is going to be life-changing for a lot of women in our church. They'll point back to this, this week as a moment that God kind of turned a page for them. And so I, I'm real excited about that. And then next weekend at all of our campuses, we're going to have a guest speaker, and her name is Christine Kane. Uh, and if you've been at Seacoast or heard Christine speak, yeah, just fantastic. She's from Australia, Hillsong Church. Uh, she started the A21 campaign, which our church has really rallied behind. My family's really rallied behind, but she uh, is going to have a strong word from the Lord for us next weekend. So I encourage you to be there. I encourage you to invite a friend. Next week could be a great week to bring somebody with you because, again, it's going to be a powerful, powerful weekend. And then next weekend at the Mount Pleasant campus, we launch our brand new service times. We'll be doing 830, 10, and 1130. And so we encourage you guys to, to take a look at that if you're at this campus and, and uh, make sure that you have your calendars marked for that. The new service times start up next week. So the year for me was 2004. New Year's Day, Lisa comes in and says, hey, I've got a great plan for us this year. I've signed us up for the Cooper River Bridge Run. Now, if you live here in Charleston, you know about the Bridge Run. Many of you probably have heard of it. It's, it's a race that happens every spring where about 40,000 people come together and run over the bridges that connect Mount Pleasant and Charleston. And you have celebrities that come run it. I know Oprah's run it a couple of times. And it's just a huge community-wide event. And up until 2004, I participated in the bridge run at around 9 o'clock on Saturday morning. I would wake up and turn the TV on and wonder, why are these people doing this? Why would anybody get up early and go run over the bridge? Well, 2004, that changed. Lisa said, we're going to do the bridge run. And so I was like, all right, you know, that's fine. We'll do it. Didn't train at all uh, because I didn't really care how he did. I had one goal in the bridge run, and that was to beat Lisa. That's all that I cared about. And so my plan was to stay pretty close to her until about the last 
tenth of a mile and then just turn on the jets. I know I was a sprinter in high school. I knew I could do that. And so I, I beat Lisa by like four seconds. And that's all that mattered for me in that race. But I'm, I'm about four miles in to this run. And, and I'm feeling pretty good about my pace, you know, just kind of cruising along. And, and all of a sudden, this, this guy passed me. Now, I had been passed probably by a thousand people at that point. So it wasn't a big deal that somebody passed me. But in this particular case, it really, really bothered me. Because this guy, and I'm not exaggerating, he was 85 years old. <laughs> How do I know he was 85? I looked it up in the paper the next day because uh, I wanted to find out. He won his age category, which is wonderful, but I was 24 years old, and so I don't care how good of shape this guy was in. It bugged me as he passed me. I think he had a cane in his hand. They'd just gotten out of the nursing home, and he's beating me in this race. And so I'm like, oh, this ain't happening, all right? So I, I turned it on, and I passed him and kind of glared at him and kind of, yeah, you think you're, you know, whatever. I, I, I didn't say anything, but I thought a lot. Pass him, and about three minutes later, he passes me again. And so I do it again, and I pass him, and this goes back and forth a couple times until eventually he passed me for the very last time in the race. And it was that day in 2004 that I realized the stark reality that, that my, my athletic glory days of high school and college were, were a distant memory, you know, that I couldn't maintain my same eating habits but not maintain my same exercise habits and, and expect to con continue to have the same results. So that what hap what's happened for me is I've never eaten healthy in my life, but in high school and college, I was in sports, so I was burning it all. Food is fuel, right? Well, I, I stopped burning it all, and I began to kind of add it to different parts of my body. And so tw 2004 is where I kind of realized that that was an issue. And from that, that moment, uh, I've had ups and I've had downs. I've had good years and I've had bad years, but I've constantly struggled uh, to, to kind of keep myself in a healthy condition. And that's why we're in a series right now called CORE. And, and it's been an incredible series up to this point. Greg's uh, taught three great messages, talked about our spiritual core and talked about our financial core, getting our finances in order and talked about our, our relational core and how important friendships are to our lives. And, and, and I, I would guess that most of you weren't real surprised to hear him talk about any of those three topics. But today I wanna to talk to you about a topic that doesn't get a whole lot of airtime in churches. And it's how do we strengthen our physical core? How do we honor God with our bodies? Why would we talk about that in church? Well, I wanna, I wanna share some interesting statistics with you that I discovered this week. Uh, there's a guy named Don Colbert. He wrote a book called What Would Jesus Eat? And he shares a staggering statistic. Did you know that in uh, the year 1901, the United States was classified as the healthiest nation among, in the whole world, among 100 nations that were surveyed. Fast forward to 1920, and we had dropped down to number two. So we're the second healthiest nation among 100 that are surveyed. By 1950, we had dropped to third place, still a relatively healthy nation. Between 1950 and 1970, we went from third place to 41st place in this survey. And between 1970 and 1980, we'd gone from 41st place to 95th place in the world. Where are we today? I think we quit taking the survey because I couldn't find, I couldn't find that, that, that survey updated. But the reality is that in the last 20, 30, 40 years, our nation has found ourselves in a health crisis. We're all aware because of the news media about a health care crisis, but, but really the greater crisis is a health crisis that we face. You know, we have heart disease, cancer, uh, depression, stress, obesity, all are on the rise. I read a stat where uh, seven out of 10 Americans are, are overweight or obese. 
For the first time in history, there are as many people that are struggling with too much food as there are struggling with malnutrition. I thought it was ironic. This week, we went down to uh, Nicaragua. Pastor Greg and Jason went down, and we launched a medical clinic that we've opened up because of your generosity and a partnership with Palmetto Medical Initiative and opened up a healthcare clinic down in, uh, down in Nicaragua because we want to help people in, in developing countries be healthy. We want to help them uh, become, become physically healthy and have access to all the health care that they need to do it. While at the same time, there are as many people uh, in the world that are struggling with, with overnutrition, with too much food. So, so what do we do about it? And, and I'm sure you're thinking by now that uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an expert in this area, but despite my amazing body, I'm not an expert in the area of physical fitness. The way I thought about it is no one wants to be yelled at by someone in great shape about how you can get in great shape too. So I'm, I'm a fellow struggler. I mean, this is an area that honestly God's really been putting the finger on me in this and going, you know what, you need to, you need to do some work here. You need to pay attention to being a good steward of your body. Since the year 2001, I've averaged about three pounds a year that I've gained uh, since 2001. And I did the math on that this week. By 80, I'm going to be 400 pounds if I keep this up. So no one wants to have a 400-pound, seven preacher tell them anything about anything. And so I got to get a hold of this thing. I, I got to get a handle on it. If, if I'm honest with you, I've been a little bit upset with God this week. Could you ever get mad at God? Going, God, why, why did you give me this topic? Like, what, why, why did you want me to stand in front of our church and talk about what your word says about the body? And I think it's because he wants me to, to address some issues in, 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 my, era, in my life as well, uh, health issues. And so this is going to be us learning together about how we can honor God with our bodies. As I was kind of whining to him, he reminded me of a scripture that, honestly, I've known this scripture. I've had it memorized for more than 15 years. This is a scripture that I claim is my life verse. I've studied it. I've read books about this passage of scripture. I've taught on this passage of scripture. I've spent so much time with it. But this week, God kind of brought it, brought it to life in a new way for me, in a way that I, he, he never had before. And so I want to share it with you, and then we'll jump in to the message. Joshua 1, verses 1 through 9. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Joshua's going, I know, God, I, I buried him. Thank you. So, so you're telling me that your number one guy is dead, and so now I'm like your backup. I, that's basically what's going on. And, and so he says, now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river of the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, if I'm Joshua, I'm going, man, this sounds awesome. So you're going to give me all this new land you're going to take care of all, all of my enemies. You're going to be with me. You're never going to leave me. You're going to give me everything that I, I need. And so I, I'm thinking, I'm, I, this is going to be a great ride. I'm going to sit back, and gra- grab a drink, have a burger, and let's, let's make this thing happen, God. Let's do it. Well, that's where God kind of turns the corner on him. In verse 6, he says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, 
so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And because he knew Joshua needed to hear it again, he says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So, context here. You guys know the story. If you've been in church very long, you've probably heard some of the story of Joshua. Moses was God's man. You guys remember Moses? You remember the song we used to sing? Pharaoh, Pharaoh, whoa, whoa, let my people. You guys remember that one? So Moses kind of takes the, the last, last night's crowd. They, they sang with me and all that fun stuff. That's all right. I'm sure they did at the campuses. But Moses, he takes God's people out of Egypt and, and they, they end up in the wilderness and they spend 40 years, but Moses is a great leader. Uh, he's established as a leader and, and Moses is dead and now Joshua is up. And it's, it's time for Joshua to take his leadership to another level. And so God's coming to him saying, Joshua, I've got a plan for you. I've got an epic life for you. I've got all this land that I wanna give to, to my people and, and I'm gonna fight your battles for you. I've got great, great plans for your life. And, and I've got all this that I want to do and, and all I need you to do is, is sit back, eat, drink, and be merry and enjoy the ride because it's going to be awesome, right? Not exactly. He says, he says you're the guy now. You know, you're going to need to be strong and you're going to need to be courageous. Now, when I've read that passage before, I always jump to the courageous part because I deal with fear as much as the next guy and I love just being inspired to, to take courage and to, to step, step into that fear and to see God do great things. And that's certainly one of the main themes of this passage of scripture. But, but I noticed the first one, be strong. And so I, I looked it up, trying to find out what does that word actually mean? The Hebrew word is, is a word called shazak. Kind of sounds like chillax, but it actually means the opposite. It literally means to display strength. And the kind of strength that it's talking about is, could, could definitely be mental strength and spiritual strength, but it definitely means to display physical strength. It says literally to, to, be, um, to be firm in your body, to, to have a hard body. And he's saying, Joshua, I've got an incredible plan for you. I've got great things that I'm going to do through you, but I need you to prepare yourself for this. You have a part and I have a part. And your part is to be strong and to be courageous. And so I imagine Joshua was, was going to join, you know, the Jordan River Athletic Club, whatever it took to get himself in condition so that he could handle all that God wanted to do through him. Now, this probably is irrelevant, but I just noticed in Joshua 5, what was he going to need the strength for? Well, one of the first things God had him do is Joshua 5, 2 through 3, it says, at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites. I don't know how that went down, but I promise you punches were thrown in that interchange, okay? So he was gonna need strength just to handle his own country, let alone the enemy territory that he was getting ready to go into. Here's the deal, Seacoast. I, I believe that God has great things in store for us. I believe God has promises that he wants to expand our territory I believe that there are issues that we may have struggled with all of our life that God wants to see us experience breakthrough in. I believe that he wants to take many of our leadership to a whole nother level this year. But if we're going to accomplish all that God has for us spiritually, it's gonna take us to be in the best physical condition, spiritual condition, and mental condition of our lives. We need to be healthy in all areas of our lives. And, and just so you know, as we get into it, I'm not pointing the finger at anybody. And this isn't about weight loss or it's going to look different for every one of us. Some of us need to lose some weight. 
Some of us need to build some muscle. Some of us have, have had an addiction that, that's, that's harming our physical bodies for a long period of time. And this is going to be the year that we need to experience a breakthrough in that, that, that addiction. But we need to be strong physically. We need to strengthen our physical core. 1 Corinthians six nineteen. It's kind of the, the go-to scripture for this area of our lives. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? He's saying your body is a gift. It's a temple. And each of us need to be good stewards with all gifts that God's given us, including our bodies. You know, we moved into a new home last weekend, and, and we were having our first dinner uh, at the new home, and, and you know, everything's clean, and it's kind of, we're, we're ready to, to, to go. My daughter is four years old, uh, Greta Kate, and she's amazing, uh, but, but, but dinner for her is a full contact experience. I mean, it's, 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 it involves all senses, and she's everywhere. She kind of goes from one chair to another, and uh, probably two to three times through the course of dinner, she needs to go to the potty, and so she gets up and goes. She announces it to the, the table, then she gets up and goes, and, and she, she, her love language is physical touch, which I love about her, unless she's eating mashed, mashed potatoes, and then I don't love that she's got physical touch, and food's going everywhere, and I'm watching crumbs hit the floor, and I'm, I'm just going, Greta Kate, We've got to take care of this house. We can't eat like this anymore. We've got, to, come on, come on, girl, like step it up. And then, then guys are helping us move stuff in and, and several pieces of furniture have new paint jobs on the corners of them, uh, which is paint that was on our wall, but now it's on the furniture. And I'm going, oh my gosh, no, 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 let's be careful here. Let's, let's, let's get this thing right. And, and, and I had this new uh, possession that was mine, this new, new, new deal, and I wanted to be a good steward of it. And I felt like God spoke to me this week and he said, Josh, I'm, I'm glad you care about keeping your house nice and I'm glad you care about keeping your things nice. Why don't you pay a little bit more attention to the gift that I've given you of, of your body? Be a better steward of your body. See, I believe that if we're gonna live out the plans and purposes of God this year, it's gonna require us again, at least for me, to be in the best physical, mental, and spiritual shape of my life so that I can take on whatever God has in front of us. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna fast forward to January of 2015. And I believe there are many of us in the church that what, regardless of what the area of your physical body it is, we need to become stronger in our physical core. We need to get healthy in an area of physical fitness. And so I'm gonna talk from the standpoint of 2015 if we had accomplished all of those goals. For me, I, I thought I needed to lose about 15 pounds and then I stepped on the scale and realized I need to lose about 20 pounds, maybe 25. So next year, uh, I'm gonna be about 20 pounds thinner, and if that's not the case, I'm gonna get a pair of Spanx, and I'm gonna preach with that on, so it's gonna look, it's gonna look like it. But what would it take? What would it take? And I'm not gonna get into a, big, a, a deep message on food and fitness. The, the deal is this, it's not rocket science. Most of us know what we need to do. There's all kinds of books out there that would be helpful. There's classes, there's all kinds of great opportunities and resources. I'm not gonna stand up here and tell you what foods to eat, what foods not to eat, what gym to join. That's up for us to figure it out. But I, I believe there's some, some spiritual principles that apply to our physical health as well as any other area of our lives as well. What would it take for us to strengthen our physical core? The first thing we need to do is we need to decide to change. Decide to change. You know, for Joshua, it was the death of his leader and his mentor. And it was God li literally speaking to him and saying, Joshua, I need you to take it to another level. I need you to be strong and I need you to be courageous. I don't know what it is for, for you or for me, but, but, but each of us need to decide, not only in our minds, 
Because we've all done that, not just because we want to look a little bit better. We've all tried that. That's not lasting change. We need to decide to change. We need to have an experience where we decide that we need to take our, our, our physical core to another level. See, Joshua is entering into a new season of leadership. I believe many of us are going to be entering into a new season of, of leadership. And there are going to be some voices that you're, you're going to hear if you're like me. Voices that say, I've tried this before and it didn't work. Voices that say, you know, I've lost the weight before, but I put it all back on. This, this just isn't going to work for me. And we've got to choose to tune out those voices and to tune in the voice of God. Be willing to change. You know, Rick Warren, many of you have heard of Pastor Rick Warren. He's out at Saddleback Church and uh, author of Purpose Driven Life. And he wrote a book called The Daniel Plan that just came out back in, in November. And it's actually a great book. I've been looking through it some this week and uh, we have it in our bookstores. Most of our campuses are carrying it. It's a great book that gets into a lot of the real practical things, but he talks about why he wrote the book. And he was doing a baptism one day at Saddleback, and we're doing a baptism today, by the way, at all of our Seacoast campuses. Would love for you to get baptized if you haven't done that yet. And, and I believe that it's, it's another aspect that shows us where our spiritual and physical bodies are connected. And God says, I want you to physically get baptized. And so for many of you, that may be a next step for you today. But Rick was doing a baptism. They had over 800 people get baptized that weekend. And he said by the end of the day, his back was sore, his legs were sore, he's baptizing people. And he said, I just came to the reality my congregation is fat. That's what, that's what he says. So he's frustrated with them. Then he looks in the mirror and he says, by gosh, I'm fat too. I haven't been a good leader in this, in this area of, of my life. And so the next weekend, Rick made a decision to change and he stood up in front of his congregation and he said, you know what, guys? I, I've not done well in this area. I've, I've done well in a lot of other areas, but this is an area I've not led you well in. And so I'm gonna change. I, I wanna repent, I wanna publicly repent to my church for this, and, and I'm, I'm ready to take uh, some action in this area of my life. And, and that's what change really is. The biblical word for change is repentance. It literally means to change directions, to change your mind and to change your heart. And for many of us, that's the first step when it comes to strengthening our physical cores. We need to make a decision. I need to change. And before you can make any healthy changes in your life, you first have to believe that they're possible. You know, if you, don't, if you can't trust God to, to help you get healthy, what can you trust God with? I mean, if, if God can't help us in this area of our life, then, then what can he help us with? So we need to decide to change. And that, that change is, is a broad, big picture change, but it's gonna affect the little areas of your life. I mean, that, that, may, that ch- may change where we need to do our grocery shopping or certainly what aisle we need to spend most of our time on or, 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 or what, what kind of clothes that we have. Some of us may need to buy a pair of shoes so that we can start walking or exercising, whatever it might be. But we need to make a decision to change. Once we do that, we can go on to the next one, which is this. We have to take the first step. Take the first step. Ecclesiastes 11.4. Greg talked about this verse a couple weeks ago. If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. And I believe this applies to our physical health as well. You know, perfection is, is the leading cause of procrastination, right? We're going to wait until everything's just right. But the bottom line is if we're going to see any fruit in this area of our life, it's going to require a first step. I have three kids, and, and my kids, there's 13 cousins and, uh, within them. My son, Miles, is six. He's the oldest of 13. So I've seen a lot of first steps in the last few years, right? And, and here's the deal about first steps. They're so important. I mean, we take the video camera out. We put it on Instagram. We show the world. We want you to see that they took the first steps. But the bottom line with the first steps, they're not very good. 
right? I mean, they take maybe one, uh, two real wobbly steps, and then they either fall down or, or fall into the arms of their parents. They're not that glorious. There's nothing special. There's nothing great about a first step. No one comes, uh, you, you know, looks back years down the road and goes, man, that first step, that was my best. You know, that was the, the best one. Often first steps are awkward. They're difficult. They, they, they don't go like you thought they would go. But, but the bottom line is we have to take the first steps. What, what are your first steps towards strengthening your physical core? For some, that may be to, to join a, a support group. Many of our campuses offer Celebrate Recovery. That would be a great first step. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it may be a little bit awkward at first. You may not know everybody. You may, you may not connect immediately with everybody and feel like, man, this is awesome. But it's, it's, it's a first step. For some, it may be going to your small group and just saying, guys, this is an area that, that I'd love to have some accountability. I'd love to get some help. And, and it may be an uncomfortable conversation, but it's a necessary one. Again, many of our first steps this weekend is going to be to get baptized. Not that getting baptized is some magic pill to get healthy, but it's recognizing that I'm going to honor God in all aspects of my physical health. And that, that includes following his example of getting baptized. And, and there are many of you that maybe you committed your life to Christ years ago, maybe during this series. You've kind of renewed your commitment to God and, and you haven't been baptized yet. And I want to encourage you at all of our campuses to do it. We've got clothes available for you. We've got uh, towels available. By the time you get out for dinner, you're going to look just as good as when you came in, but you will have been baptized. You have gone, been buried with Christ in his death and raised out into new life. And for many of us, that's going to be a first step this weekend. For me, I, I signed up for a half marathon a few, week, a few months ago, and the, the half marathon is happening in about two months, a little less than two months, and, and there came a point where I had to just go take my first step. And so I told Lisa, I'm going to go out, I'm going to go for a run, I'm probably going to do four, maybe five miles, you know, just kind of get ready to go uh, for this half marathon. And I went out and I ran for about 10 minutes. <laughs> and I didn't set any records, so that was probably about, you know, eight-tenths of a mile. And, and I ended up about 20 minutes later coming back home, and I, 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 maybe 25 minutes later, I'd done two miles, and, and I'm kind of, you know, leaning over, and, <gasps> and Lisa's like, what happened? You know, are you okay? I mean, I thought you were going to do four or five miles. I'm like, woman, I don't need to hear it right now, okay? <laughs> See, for me, the first step, it was a little bit discouraging. I, I was a little bit embarrassed about where I was, because I've run half marathons before. I've been in better shape before, and it was kind of a, a reality check for me, and sometimes that's what first steps are. The reality check, that first step on the scale, so important because it gives you a sense for where am I at right now, or that first step into the gym, and, and I can promise you there's going to be people that are in better shape than you at the gym, and probably some people that are in worse shape, but that first step is going to be uncomfortable, but it's so important if we're going to accomplish any of our physical goals this year. So do whatever it takes to take your first step. Decide to change. Take the first step. Third thing that we're going to need to do if we're going to strengthen our physical core is keep our eyes ahead of us, not around us. Keep our eyes ahead of us, not around us. See, there's going to be a temptation that every single one of us are going to, are going to, are going to deal with when it comes to our, our physical core. And it's one that it's probably the reason that, that we've tried and failed in the past. And it's comparison. We're, we're going to be tempted to compare ourselves to somebody else. We're going to be tempted to look around and, and, and go, man, I want to look like that or I want to be like that. And the bottom line is this is not what this message is about. God has given every one of us a different body, a unique body, and, and our job is to, to steward that well, to become healthy in that body. You can 
weigh different amounts. I mean, there, there are many of us here that could weigh the exact same amount, one be healthy and the other not. That's not what it's about. We have to keep, keep our eyes in front of us. The Bible has a lot to say about comparison. Galatians 1.10 says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And then here's what God says about people who do compare. In 1 Corinthians 10, 12, he says, but they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as a standard of measurement. How ignorant. God says, man, comparison, how ignorant is that? That, that does no good. It's going to do one of two things. It's going to lead you to vanity, which the Bible has a lot to say about that, about the pride and how the pride proceeds a fall. Or it's going to lead you to discouragement. It's going to lead you to feeling bad about yourself. And, and, and so we can't compare. We've got, to, we've got to be committed to running and the lane that God's called us to run into running the race that God's calling us to run to be good stewards of our body. So decide to change. We have to take a first step. Let's keep our eyes in front of us, not around us. You remember my, my uh, bridge run story. You know, you start looking around and you think, man, I should be in as good a shape as this person. And all of a sudden I'm in danger of not accomplishing my goal, which was to beat Lisa. So, so you got to keep your eyes ahead of you. The fourth thing that we do is expect God to do his part. Expect God to do his part. Let's get back to the story of Joshua. So God, over and over and over again, be strong, be courageous. It's going to take you going to a new level, Joshua. I've got great plans. You need to do your part. I'll do my part. So Joshua, I imagine, and actually scripture kind of indicates that he's, he's gotten into a training program. He's trained warriors. He's got the strongest men of his country. They're getting ready to go into battle. They're getting ready to face their first battle in, in Joshua chapter 6. They're going to take down the city of Jericho. And so I imagine Joshua's coming to God and he's going, all right, God, we've done it. We're strong. We're ready. We're ready for a fight. So, so show us where to go. Show us what to do. And here's what God says. God says, uh, says, the Lord said to Joshua, I've given you Jericho, its king and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Imagine Joshua's going, really? So seven priests, and Joshua goes, God, the, the pastors are never in the best shape. Don't, let's not lead out with the priests. We'll put them in the middle, keep them safe. He says, seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. Imagine Joshua's going, what? Like, we're ready for battle. We, we've become strong. We've done our part. Let's just let us take care of business, God. Like, what's this business about walking around the, the, the town and we're just gonna kind of march and do our little cowboy and Indian yell and this, this, this isn't gaining me a lot of cred with our people, God. I mean, come on, seriously. But God's, God's wanting to make sure he understands something. The victory is gonna come from God. You know, not by might, not by power. It's not about our own pride. It's not about our own ability. God is going to be the one that brings the victory. God's reminding him, I want you to do your part. There are going to be times you're going to need that strength, but right now you need to know that I am the source of victory in your life. And this is the part that you're not going to read in any diet book. You're going to find this in any self-help talk about getting into shape, is that, that we, we need to meditate on God's word. We need to trust him to do his part. Be good stewards with what he's given us, but, but leave the results to him. I love what Matthew 19, 26 says, Jesus talking, he says, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And, and that's, that's the X factor. 
in, 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 in our lives as believers is that we can depend on a God who by his power is able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. You know, the power to change comes through Jesus Christ. It, otherwise, we're left with willpower. And all of us have testimonies on how far willpower has gotten us, right? A couple of weeks. And so we decide to change. We take our first steps. We keep our eyes ahead of us. We trust God to help. And finally, when I quit, I need to start again. When I quit, I need to start again. Notice I didn't say don't quit. Because if you've ever been around recovery, if you've ever tried to get into a, a better physical shape or to strengthen your physical core, you know that failure is part of the process. In fact, it's when we learn how to fail well that we learn how to be successful. So when you stumble, there are going to be days that, that you slip up. There's going to be potentially health issues. There's going to be all kinds of opportunities that we're going to kind of slip up. It's that, that when we quit, we're going to start again. You know, we're wrapping up a 21-day fast here at the church. And, and I just want to say, if you've fasted with us, many of you have fasted for the very first time. And uh, I just want to say congratulations. What a great uh, spiritual discipline and exercise to go through a 21-day fast. And we wrap it up this weekend. And about week, the, the, the second week of the fast, it was actually the first weekend of the fast, my wife and I went to Charlotte uh, to a place that I call purgatory, but she calls it Ikea. And we had to do some shopping to get some stuff ready for the house. And so, um, so we're in there and long day, spent hours and hours in there, and the next day, wake up in the hotel, get ready to come home, and, and she was still getting ready. I ran to Starbucks. We did an all-liquid fast for the first week, and thank God coffee is a liquid, no matter what you put into it. Uh, got very creative with a blender that week, but all that to say, I go to Starbucks, I'm going to get us a coffee, and I'm on the phone, and I just completely checked out mentally to the fast. I just, I don't know what happened, but I, I got in line, and I saw these breakfast sandwiches, and I was like, oh, cool. I'll grab a couple of those, grab one for Lisa, and so I drive back to the hotel, and I hand her her coffee, and I'm like, here's a sandwich, and she's like, get behind me, Satan. What are you doing? What are you doing, Josh? We're fasting. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, I forgot. And she's like, there were two of those sandwiches, weren't there? <laughs> so I pointed her to Proverbs 24, 16. The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. I said, I'm gonna have six more sandwiches in this fast, all right? <laughs> did, did God quit speaking to me? Of course not. Uh, did, did I just quit the fast? I thought about it, but, but no, you, you keep going. We're going to trip up, whether it's spiritual, physical, emotional, we're going to have moments where we fail. And failure doesn't have to defeat you or derail you. In fact, it can actually increase your chance of ultimate success. So let's learn from our mistakes and keep moving. I love in Joshua, after the battle of Jericho, they go the next chapter, they, they battle a, a town or a nation called uh, A, A-I is how you spell it. I can't, still can't figure out how to pronounce that. But they go in and they're, they're ready. Now they're going to depend on their own strength. They're going to, uh, you know, take them out. And, and they get their behinds handed to them on a platter. They get absolutely destroyed by this country. And I'm thinking, if I'm Joshua, man, man, I mean, I thought that you were going to give me all the land. And I love that the very next chapter, Joshua 8, God comes back to Joshua and says, hey, you learned your lesson. There were some mistakes made there. And, and that's a whole other message. But, but let's go back to battle. I'm going to deliver, deliver the enemy into your hands. And so failure is a part of the process. It's not always, you know, up and to the right. Growth doesn't always happen that way. There's going to be setbacks. We've got to be willing to continue to fight and continue to, to move. As we close, I want to ask a friend to join me. Uh, uh, Pastor Roy Jakes here at the Long Point Campus. Would you guys give him a hand as he joins me for a moment? 
Roy is the uh, marriage pastor here at the Mount Pleasant campus, and I know many of you campus uh, guys haven't met Roy. So, Roy, tell uh, the, fam- the church family a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, I've been married for 16 years to my wife, Angie, and uh, we have four little ones at home, all under the age of six. Oh, wow. And, okay. Uh, so a lot of time for exercise and fitness. Lots of spare time. All that good stuff. That's fantastic. Well, about a year ago, you made a choice. Uh, you made a decision to change. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, well, in the past, I had um, I'd made the decision. I mean, nobody likes to be overweight, and it's always been a struggle for me. So in the past, I had lost weight, gained it, lost weight, gained it. And um, so for me, the motivation to just simply lose weight wasn't enough. Um, I had a little bit of a cholesterol issue going on. And um, so, you know, this is bigger than just about losing weight. It's about being healthy. Yep. And, um, but then uh, the, the main thing for me is I was sitting around, I realized that as a pastor, I had counseled people numerous times. That people were coming in and out of my office, and they were struggling with things and um, addictions uh, things that, that held them bondage. And, and I would say to them that God could help them overcome their, their, their stuff, whatever it was. And I realized for me that, that I couldn't sit before people with integrity, overweight, and not being able to control eating um, without, uh, you know, without beginning to do something yeah. about it and decided if, I can, if I'm going to say that to other people, then I got to be able to trust that in my own life hmm. as well. And you said food had kind of become an addiction to you. Yeah, food was. I've, I've never drank a day in my life, never smoked a day in my life. I, I didn't consider myself somebody with an addiction, but honestly, food is my addiction. Yeah. I love to eat. So you make a choice. God kind of convicts it. I do too. Yeah. We should get together for yeah. lunch. Great. <laughs> so so you, you, you eventually have to take some first steps, right? And yeah. I know you decided to run, run a half marathon as well. So talk about the first steps. Yeah. Um, in June, I went outside. I remember the day vividly to run for the very first time. And just as you described, it was awful. Um, I, I, I didn't have a, a goal. I didn't set four or five miles. But um, I said I was going to run for about 20 minutes. I made it about two minutes before I was just dying. My legs were killing me. Everything was hurting. I ran, walked the next 20 minutes, um, but it was awful. And I remember thinking, how in the world am I ever going to get to where I want to be? Well, so you, did, did you get where you want to be? Yeah, I did. Here? Every day, um, just decided, I just, every day I'd go out and the goal was run a little bit more than I did the day before. So um, eventually it was slow. It was slow, slow, slow. But uh, eventually the miles began to come, and uh, I did. And this past weekend, uh, just finished my second half marathon um, awesome. in about a five-week period. So That's so cool. Yeah. We joked about food. I know food was, did you, did you do a crash diet? Did you do, how'd you lose the weight in terms of the, the food? Yeah, not at all. Um, for me, crash diets, I knew just wouldn't work. In fact, they don't work for most people. Um, so for me, it was a matter of, especially with the cholesterol thing, is beginning to just say, I'm going to make wiser choices. So obviously, I had to cut out certain things, most fried foods, had to cut out most of the sweets, but not all of the sweets. Um, and so I still, uh, I still enjoy food periodically just not at the frequency and at the amount that I used yep. to. So in a year, you've you made a choice to change. You've lost how much weight? Lost, uh, I've lost 50 pounds to date. Wow, and, uh, that's awesome. But, uh, and again, Roy mentioned it, we talked about it. It's not about weight loss for everybody. You can be skinny and be unhealthy, but for Roy, that was the, the issue that God had. So we have a before and after picture. We'll see the before picture. Yeah. Keep in mind, the camera adds a couple hundred pounds. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And then after, this was after your first uh, half marathon. And uh, just so proud of you, man. God has done incredible work. Yeah, give Roy a hand as he... I wanted you to hear Roy's story because Roy 
has lived his 2013 uh, developing some of the disciplines that I hope to establish in the year 2014. And, and God's just been faithful and done a great work in his life. Uh, God hasn't called you to be like Roy. He hasn't called me to be like Roy. He hasn't called us to be like each other, but he's called all of us to be good stewards of our physical health. To, 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 to ask the question, Lord, what are you calling me to do? What's the next step for me to honor you in my physical health? So would you guys pray with me as we close? God, I just thank you so much uh, for your word. I thank you that it's practical, that it's relevant to every aspect of our lives. And Lord, for me and for our church, Lord, the bottom line is we just wanna honor you with our physical bodies. Lord, we want to take hold of every promise that you have for us. We wanna claim every piece of land that you have for us. Lord, we wanna um, just have the impact and the purpose, accomplish the purposes that you've laid out for each of our lives. And Lord, part of that is developing discipline in the area of our physical body. And so Lord, we just lay ourselves before you. As your word says in Romans, we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. And I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us, that you would encourage us, that you would give us uh, the, the strength and the courage that we need to honor you in this area of our lives. So God, we love you. Help us to be a good example to others. Lord, help us to be a good example to those that we're trying to reach, that they would see a people uh, that, that, that is disciplined, Lord, that's holy and blameless before men and before you. And we just give ourselves to you in Jesus' name.